Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 59 of the Recovery Lab podcast series. I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. We're joined today by none other than Kimberly Hassan, with whom I have a special relationship. We're married. <laughs> All right. Did I already say episode 59? Yeah, we did. We okay. Did. Okay. So we're recording. Yeah, everything's good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank How you. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. You a little nervous? Mm, a little. It wears off soon, yeah. quickly, I promise. And it just turns into three people having a conversation. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So of the people who have done a repeat episode, you're the first one who is a uh, a solo flyer. Denise, would te- Denise Marsters was technically the first person that's been on twice, but she was just on the first time early, early on, you know, kind of telling the history, a little bit of her own personal history, but mostly the history of the McCoy house. And then obviously she was on last week as a, as part of a group uh, from the McCoy house, but you're the first person that uh, is a repeat performer, repeat solo performer. And I owe you a bit of an apology because I intended to listen to your podcast over the weekend, but because I have a thousand children mm-hmm. and they were all at our house this weekend, I didn't get an opportunity to do that. Yeah. I remember that first one. I do too. Uh, we did it actually at our house. At our house. Um, did and, you do this at your house? Yeah. Oh, wow. She, I think, were you the second one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I did. It was the. It was also the first time I did two in one day, and I realized yeah. I realized quickly that the energy fades for that second one. You know what? I, can I pause this for just a second? Pause. You remember I had spoken to you about um, shout out to Costas yes. for the, for her running. That's right. Do that. Do All that. Right. So real quick, um, Costas Matheos. That's how you say the last name, right? Uh, she's going to be running in uh, with Bridge to Recovery. Right, she's going to be running in the St. Jude's. That's right, right. St. Jude's uh, half marathon uh, that's coming up in December, and uh, there's a link on our Recovery Lab um, support, support, support Facebook. And if you could donate, please go and do that. Costas is an incredible person, and I would love our people to support her uh, as she supported us and continues. The Recovery to Lab Nation. That's right. That's right. So thank you. Showing uh, up. Onward. Cool. I like Costas. She's incredible. Yeah, she is. So my failure to have listened to your episode, I'm now a little bit handicapped by not being able to say, you remember when you said this or you remember when you said yeah. that? Uh, but we'll we'll be okay. We'll make it. It's going to be great, honestly. Let me just put on my costume. And also, for all that are concerned about what's going on right now, there was a company-wide memo that was sent out, and Drew and Kimberly did not yeah. get that memo Didn't about wearing costumes today. So I'm the only one. That I dressed wore a up costume. as a recovery as a podcast host. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, 
I feel a little foolish, but a pimp should never feel. Foolish. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. <laughs> Everybody should go onto YouTube and watch "Pimps Up, Hose Down," the HBO documentary. I'm serious; that's an actual. Thing. It's funny. Pimp arrest. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, let's let's keep going. Okay, well, since last year, what has changed? What is the same? Tell us about your life over the past year. Wow, I haven't thought about that. I guess over the past year, things are the same a lot, I think. And isn't there some glory for that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we think about how our lives went from year to year, and I know that your story is similar to mine, it was a whole lot of let's get real high from, and make our lives awful and then go to rehab real quick. Yeah. You know, and it's part of that awful cycle. And sometimes right. uh, uh, a lack of activity is somewhat foreign to us. Absolutely. And, and uncomfortable yeah. at times, too. Yeah, I was definitely accustomed to, like you said, messing Upheaval. up. Upheaval. Going to treatment. I mean, living in treatment. I lived in treatment for years. That was, I mean, I didn't have a home. That was, treatment was my home. Yeah, we get accustomed to the chaos, right? Absolutely. So the That's the word yeah, I could think of. I experienced yes. that when I first got sober this time. You know, I was outside doing something, and, like, literally nothing was going on in my life. Like, you know, the pieces were, you know, kind of being put back together. And um, I, I remember calling my sponsor and be like, man, I just I feel just feel weird. I think it was actually Neil, um, Neil Woodall. And um, he... Uh, he just simply and calmly said, I, you know, I, I think you're experiencing a little peace. And that that whole concept was completely foreign to me. And, you know, if you can maintain that and do some real, you know, take a, a hard look at your own behavior patterns. I mean, I can certainly see how I would sabotage myself. And right, it, it was almost as if the chaos became more comfortable mm -hmm. than not having it. Yeah, and, it's, it's what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, even though painful, I, I would seem to prefer the chaos. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Interesting. It's funny how we can, you know, it, it takes a while to really reflect on our own behaviors to kind of put together how we have these patterns and right and how destructive they can be. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But it's it's also, you know, it's a process, and it takes what it takes in order for us to get where we need to get so you know while it it can be difficult to um you know, try to figure out who we are now with you know the absence of drugs and alcohol uh, it, it's just a process and you know there's no time frame put on it or anything like that it's just it takes what it takes for you to learn what you need to learn to become somebody that you're hopefully you know pleased proud with. of right and and i try to stay far away from pride because pride for me is very very toxic so, slippery slope yeah 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 so um i try to i'm grateful for everything that's happened and i'm grateful for the person that i am today when i start thinking that i'm something um i'm usually on a fast track to self-sabotage so i try to keep that yeah up. i guess all pride would need to be tempered with a little bit of humility and a little yeah. bit of gratitude to stay away from being too boastful right right yeah but i think some pride i think pride is healthy i think 
pride heavily activated, too activated, is is kind of productive and unhealthy and toxic even. Yeah. Well, listen, I know that, uh, so you've maintained the same job. Yes. We live in the same place. Yes. We have the same baby. We have the same baby. Yes. We well, there that. was that switch up that happened there yeah. for there was was that? Six, <laughs> six months. Was six months. Uh, where he went to. Well, he looked so where similar. Did he, he went to Guatemala for. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I thought. How do you look at the stability in your life and compare that to times when there was less stability? Oh, I, I think there's times when I'm like driving home from work and I think, oh my God, I have a job. I have a home. I have to like, I have to pinch myself sometimes and think, cause it was just such a shit show for a long time. Well, also you're married to quite possibly the biggest stud in this okay. area, I think is. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's a bonus for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 It keeps it, uh, keeps it fun for yeah. sure but yeah there's times that i think uh i can remember and i've, I've talked to you about this before but i can remember numerous times like laying in treatment center beds laying in halfway houses just thinking god i would give anything to have a home and a car and a job and some normalcy and how far in that was and how you know i've i've maintained having that for a few years now that's pretty incredible you gotta feel proud of yourself yeah it's good yeah I think I struggle with that being proud because there's such, I still struggle with that guilt and that shame based around who I am or who I was. So the past. Yeah. Well, and you know, it is tougher for women. The, I mean, men don't get a pass on it either. The comparison thing, you know, looking at somebody else's life and thinking, Oh, they've got it so good. and Oh, they've, you know, they don't have the, this problem or that problem, but they have some other problem. We're, you know, I have that problem too. I, I have that issue. You know, a lot of times that's why I, I try to limit my, my Facebook usage, you know, as much as possible, just because people are putting their best, their, their best photos, their best everything out there and in, into the public. And it's super easy. It's human nature to look at that and be like, Oh, I, I want that, you know, but we're, we're not seeing the whole picture. Look, I saw this happen before my eyes. I don't want to say too much in case these people were identifiable where I saw a couple get married on Facebook and I thought, wow, they've really got it together. And then, I mean, it was just a few months, literally. I mean, yeah, and, you never know. And the cracks become <laughs> obvious. I mean, social media is so dangerous that way. 100%. Yeah. I was, um, what you were saying, I was thinking about, I, I definitely need to, probably limit my social media because I think for me probably the guilt and the shame that I'm talking about that I experience still on a daily basis like I grew up in Jackson I grew up privileged and um you know I'm not trying to toot my own horn because I lost everything and but um I think that it's hard it, it's been hard for me to move back to Jackson and live in Jackson and see all the people that I graduated high school with that have a completely different life than me. You know, they didn't have struggles. They, they have struggles, but they don't show their struggles and their struggles weren't on the, you know, right up front with it. They weren't doing heroin. They weren't doing heroin. (laughs) They weren't shooting heroin and living in trap houses and stuff like that. So yeah, their struggles were a little bit different, 
But it's hard. It's I think it's hard as a woman to to grow up in this area in the Jackson area and go to Jackson Prep and be in all that that whole group and struggle and then come back from that. Um, the flip side. Because I see people on a daily basis where I work that I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm. I see people from my past that I grew up with. You know, and it's even though everybody's like, "Oh, I'm so proud of you. You're doing so great." Because everybody, you know, seems to watch me fall for a while, but they've seen me get up and and do better. But still, it's it's hard for me to to see that. Sure. Yeah. It's hard to live in the good part of that story. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to live in the, well, I overcame it. Well, I was tenacious. Yeah. I was, I had sufficient stick to to get over and through, you know, doing, Del- doing DeLauded to, at the Dollar General. Trying to keep up with the Joneses is, is definitely a struggle for me too, so. Yeah, I try to stay, it's just, I think it's anybody that says that, well, I don't know. I, I can't overgeneralize things, but I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, men and women. I don't think it's uh, and everything in between for everyone out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I think that it's something, I think that's it's super, super common. And, you know, advertisers and, and people like media love that. They love people when they're activated because that means that you're, you're going to feel poorly about yourself. And when you feel poorly about yourself, you're going to b- go and buy that thing that they're tried to sell or absolutely their advertisers yeah. oh that new makeup oh that maybe that would make maybe me that, feel better yeah, that'll, yeah. That'll, look there's a whole episode of um lex friedman's podcast mm-hmm. about how instagram is an infidelity and insecurity generating machine oh 100 and that's it's designed to do that yeah i mean it it thrives on that and very efficient he, too. part of the human condition right 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 and I wonder, it, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics tend to have some some appreciable measure of insecurity and doubt and self-loathing. And it seems like yeah, that's why we got half social right media right can can inflame that absolutely. Right. And the drugs and alcohol were a solution for a long time. Yeah, for me, until they weren't. Oh, that it absolutely it works. Yeah. Like Keenan says, you know, we all start with pleasure seeking right. and end with pain avoidance. Right. I don't know why that's such a tongue twister for me. Like I had to pause and say it slowly. It's okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, we've covered what you've done for the past year. What are some things you'd like to talk about? I don't know. I wasn't expecting that question. Oh. Oh. From, Threw me for a loop. From left field. <sighs> what? Let's 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 ask you this real quick. Let me yeah. ask this. Yeah. What? And what? What excites you? What brings you um, peace? What brings you um, happiness? What brings you uh, comfort these days? I think a big part of who I am and what I get wrapped into is being a mother and he is if for people that know my story I've got other three other children that I don't see don't don't have a relationship with that was kind of what was taken away from me in my addiction and um so Thomas is my second chance and I've just kind of I've just really embraced that and really kind of gone head on into being a mom and that's who I am. And I feel like that's kind of my identity. It can be good. It can be bad. Um, 
but I feel like he's he's my world in so many words. I, I think, and I, and I don't want to harbor on this if this is not something that you want to talk about. I totally understand. Um, but it's a, it's a common thing with, with uh, folks like us in, in sobriety and in recovery um, is, you know, kids being removed, um, things being removed, like life, you know, us really getting cut back. How, how do you, how have you, uh, and again, if this is something you don't want to talk about, no, we can I talk just, about it. I just feel like it would be really, really helpful to somebody that may be listening that's going through the same thing, yeah, or has gone through the same thing. So, how do you, like, how do you, how do you get through that? How do you, and and, and also, how do you get through it? But how also, how do you, um, how do you forgive yourself for that? Because you're you're doing yeah. a phenomenal thing now. You've got Thomas, and you're you're absolutely killing it in in life, um, and you know we don't wish to shut the door or, you know, regret the past or shut the right. door on it. Um, but it, it has to play a role in some way. I mean, um, so how do you, how do you process that on a daily basis? How does that, that's a good question. How, how do you, um, how do you, how do you find peace in and resolve in the fact that you're, you're on the right path. Now you're doing good while the, the past was unfortunate that it happened. Mm-hmm. It made you who you are today. And, uh, it seems like you're very, you know, you're you're pleased with where you are in life. So, how do you juggle that? How do you handle that extreme adversity, and especially like in early recovery when you were first getting sober? Like, how do you do that? So, honestly, I yeah. think that I'm, um, I live very numb to all that. Okay. I've, I live in a survival mode. Like, sure. Drew's experienced it. My family's experienced it before. Like, like I can. If I emotionally connect to the fact that I have three other children out there that I don't have a relationship with, that it can it can be dangerous. You know, it can really be a, a bad place for me to go because there's so much guilt and so much shame wrapped in all that. Um, but I think that what's what good has come out of it is that it's made me to be the best mom to Thomas that I possibly could imagine. Anybody could be. I'm not trying to be like I'm the best mom out there ever because everybody's a good mom. But it's made me be the best mom. (laughs) There are some. But, you know, it's made me extremely, extremely grateful. Like that because that is if you ask me what's the hardest thing I've been through, it's losing my children. You know, it's something I think about on a daily basis. But it's also become like a situation where I've just become numb to it almost. Um you know, I, I send text messages to my older two, you know, weekly. Uh, I don't get responses. I've gotten a few responses, but um, very, very few. Um, you know, they're they're angry. They're confused. They're angry. They, they have questions. Um, sure. But um, I think kind of for me, living in the here and now, like staying in the present where I am has really helped. Um, and just you know, one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, keep going forward. You know, I still, there's days when I'm, I feel pretty hopeless about the relationships I have with them. Um, but then there's days that I wake up and I'm like, you know, God has a plan. It's going to happen one day. And I, I, I believe that, um, the story's kind of crazy. So I've, I've thought since I went to the faith-based treatment center is where I finally got sober. So I've thought since the beginning, kind of, I feel like I had this 
God told me that when it happened, he was going to make the way and that there was going to be no glory for anybody else but him when it when it did happen and I finally got restored to the relationships with my children. And I've held on to that because I, I really do feel like that was what he told me. And um, it's crazy enough, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but crazy enough, you know, I hope I can talk about this. But, talk about um, anything you want to. Knock it out. Yeah. Um, so crazy enough, I finally get sober and get enough sobriety under my belt and I get um, an attorney and yeah, keep going. And then she commits suicide, and she's gone. So that was kind of like, I finally get an attorney to help me, and then she's gone. So it's kind of like I'm back to square one where God's like, I told you I was going to do this, and I'm going to get all the glory. You know, it's not going to be anybody saying, oh, I gave you your children back. Oh, you did this. Oh, th- you know, this and that. It's going to be something that people are going to say, oh, wow, that's that's a miracle, you know. So... Yeah, I, think- I, th- I thought about that several times when it comes to mm-hmm. that whole situation. Like God was like, I told you what I was going to do. That had to be devastating, though. You oh, feel yeah. like you're making progress forward, and then yeah. God's like, mm, trust me. Yeah, and I think I still struggle a lot with my anger with God, you know. And Drew said something the other day, and I really connected to it. It was like we were talking, and he was like, you know, I ask God often. I'm like, God, just give her a break. Give her kids back. What, what, I mean, she's doing everything she's supposed to be doing. I mean, if know? I got to talk to God, I'd tell yeah. him I think is ridiculous. I yeah. mean, enough's enough. Yeah. But I know that, um, and another thing that's hard is, um, like, I've seen numerous other women in recovery that I know that have less time under their belt than I do, and they've gotten their relationships with their kids back, you know? And that's when I feel like that, like, that... Thomas is such a huge blessing because I did not see him coming. He, he was not in the plans. I didn't think he was possible, and I didn't think that was an opportunity for me again. So um, I guess that goes back into that comparison, how comparison such a, a thief and steals so much joy from us because I could easily say, you know, well, everybody else has gotten their kids back, but I haven't gotten mine back. But then um, I can't go there. So how do I deal with it is definitely, like, I think I'm I'm numb to it. And I say it often. Like, if I, I mean, it, really honestly, if I emotionally connect with all that, it's it's almost like it's too painful. Like, I'd absolutely probably be still getting high. This is my opinion. I would still probably be getting high. I would have relapsed by now, I, I think, if, if I didn't have Thomas. And that's just, that's what I believe. He keeps me going. He keeps me. I think the takeaway is that we can have really hard, challenges we can have really hard difficulties and still stay sober yeah i promise you there's more than one woman who'll listen to this and think positively about you and be appreciative that you were so willing to be honest about all this right and that's what it was i mean it's just pure honesty right there and that's something and how can we find something profitable and good out of our bad decisions bro i cannot tell you how many times since you've started talking about the past becoming profitable months ago that is something that pops into my head every day. You know, how is this situation, how can I use this situation to be profitable to me? Yeah. It's a whole mindset. I think that's the the number one mandate we have in recovery is how can I look at this in a good way? What good can I get out of Mm -hmm. this? Like you say often, what do you say? Um, I say lots of great things. (laughs) He does. He really does. He does say a lot of good things. No, I know. But um, he's he's very clever. (laughs) He's my friend. (laughs) Um, 
You say often, like, if there's if we learn from our mistakes, then... A uh, lesson becomes more valuable than gold. Yes, exactly. And I think that's absolutely true. Like, I mean, I still have plenty of things I still struggle with, but um, if, I, if there's a situation where I make a mistake and I learn from it, then it makes me a better person. It absolutely does. So... Right. Yeah, it's... I mean, everything, I, I believe this 100% with every cell in my body. Everything in this world happens for a reason, and nothing in God's world happens by accident. So when I, I hold on to that with, with the strongest grip yeah. uh, humanly possible. So in doing that, I have no choice but to identify the adversity, the, the positive things, of course, but the adversity that's in my life right now be laser focused on how what I'm supposed to learn from this right now. What is God trying to teach me? I know that this is super super hard right now, but it I, and I also know that when things are difficult, that's when I grow the most. Yeah. So so yes, this is really difficult what's going on right now, but God is one not going to give me any, you know, more than I can handle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Two, when there's difficult crap going on, that's an opportunity for me to learn and grow. And I know that from past experience, when I learn and grow, the other side of that is 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 positive. So, I I approach adversity, difficult situations, sadness, heartache, heartbreak, with an attitude of gratitude. You know the cheesy, 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 you know, uh, saying an attitude of gratitude. Well, for me, that is the solutions. When I can be grateful for the difficult things that are in my life, suddenly those things are here. We go profitable to me. Yeah. So when adversity is in my life, that is, here we go, profitable to me. So when I can approach the good and most importantly, the bad with, from a, from a stance of being grateful for that, suddenly I'm unstoppable in the world of being able to push through, um, difficult situations and, and be okay with where I am. Right, because when I've got one foot in the past and one foot in the future, what am I doing? Taking a piss all over what's right in front of me right now. So I try to stay right here in the right now and just approach the good and bad with gratitude. I think for me, if I do it any other way, I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to go heavy into that comparison mode and then the victim mode, and then eventually that's going to go into well, I look if if you had my life too, you would need to numb with drugs and alcohol as well. And it's just a slippery slope. So what I found in this 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 period of being sober this time is I I run to adversity with gratitude. I run to peace with gratitude. I run to heartache and pain with gratitude. And and when I do that, I feel like it opens up the door for God to be able to work his magic uh, and me to stay out of the equation and just let him be in the results business. I'll be in the hard work business. I'll bring a shovel to the mountain, but God's going to move that mountain. Yeah, and what is it? The acceptance prayer. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Right. You know, I, I I think that's that's something like I just kind of really that really resounded with me. I really kind of mm-hmm. just that's well, that's that's the answer. Right. So yeah. whatever you're going through right now, with you know, you and the kids and and everything else that's difficult in in your life and our lives, you know, if we can run to that with gratitude and and. And be grateful for what a practice yeah, that takes. I mean, yeah. it has. You have to be intentional about that. Oh, so. it's absolutely yeah. gratitude is not something you have to that make happens. that choice. Like I'm gonna make a choice. It's a choice. To do that. It's a choice to be gratitude is a practice, and I work really hard 
to practice that gratitude. I force myself. That's why the, in early sobriety they say, write a gratitude list. Yeah. My sponsor had me write a gratitude list and text it to him every day. Yeah. It was the stupidest thing in the world, but that was exactly what I needed to start this journey in my active pursuit of being grateful for everything that's coming my way. And now I'm kind of kind of taking it. And Imagine running. what it's like to to stay in that frame of mind where you like all of the things in your life. I'm there. And feel a, a sense of protectionism about those things. Here's a good question. Kimberly and I were talking in the car, I mean, to each other from our cars the other day. And I asked her, I said, look, imagine you have a time machine and you can go back and come back. You can go to and come back from any point in time. Where would you go? When, when would you go? And so I started thinking about that and I thought, what a, what a goal your life should be. Yeah. Imagine doing that which is necessary so that when you're offered a ride in the time machine, you wouldn't want to go back to anywhere because you wouldn't want to risk what you have in the present day. Yeah. And I, I know that seems crazy, but I've really thought, am That's I doing crazy. am I doing what I need to do today so that I wouldn't want to take a ride in the time machine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because my first yeah. answer immediately when he asked me that was, I would go back to when I had my children. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Hands down. I don't even have to think about it. Yeah, but you're going to be a much stronger person now than you ever would have been and more of service to other people than you would have ever been had you not had that adversity in your life. Yeah, now that now that I, I think for – I don't do a lot as far as, like, telling my story and doing things like that. Like, I was real active when I was in Mobile when I lived there as far as, like, recovery community and everything and um, telling my testimony is what we called it. Mm -hmm. And – um. I just don't do a lot now. I'm kind of consumed with being a mom. And um, that's why I say it can be good and bad. Sure. But, um, you know, I if my story can help one other woman say, okay, well, if she can stay sober, then then I can do it too. Because, right. I mean, I th in the beginning, that's what I needed to hear. I Like, I, there was one or two, two that, I, I, that are coming to mind, women that were farther along in their sobriety than me. One of them had a very similar situation to mine, and I just literally held on to to those two girls mm -hmm. and th walked with them on a daily basis. And they, those girls, are the ones that like they gave me hope. Right. You know, when there was like no hope that I could hold on to, I couldn't understand anything else. I kind of just, and I owe them a whole whole lot. Um, makes you almost want to cry, but like they 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 were a big 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 part of my recovery in the beginning, a big big part. So if I can, if I, if my story can help somebody else, then, and you know. That's what this is all about is yeah. going through shit, using that to help other people. When you can use it to help someone else, suddenly it's profitable to you. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just to lay around thinking about how awful everything was. Oh, yeah. And, right. I mean, I lived like that for a long time. Me and too. Then, the, a, a, a large proportion of the of society thinks that way and lives that way. Yeah. The whole victim mentality. It's toxic. It's unbelievably toxic. It's almost as addictive as the drugs are. You know, it gives you a way out and an explanation and you never have to take responsibility for anything. And yeah. Right. 
feel sorry for yourself. It's the yeah. low-hanging yeah. fruit. Yeah. It really is. All right, what else? I don't know. Y'all ask me questions. I don't, I mean, I don't You're feel like I'm very interesting, so. No, I, look, y'all, I'm, y'all ask for, me I'm stuff. forward with you. Think, you you mean, think we're been, interesting? No, we're just two nerds. Open and honest we're two and freaking nerds. <laughs> transparent? I, I'm, I mean, I, if I wasn't married to you, I might hit on you. Oh, isn't that sweet? Well, I'm married. But, you know, there's, there's times that, like, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Drew and I were in, you know, we we talk a lot when, when we're in the car. On the way to work in the morning, we talk. And um, we were talking the other day, and I was, we were, I don't know, I, rem- I remember specifically where I was sitting. I was at a stoplight, and I was, like, talking about, and I was, like, do you, I was, like, but I don't even remember that person. You know, we were talking yeah. about, oh, I know what we were talking about, um, how, Something about there was some term that I was going to use, and I was like, I, I wish my boss would hear me say something like, "Get served." Get served. <laughs> what? Like I don't, the drug I dealer serves. Some context here. Oh, so I saw a gas station, and um, I was like, "Did you ever get served there?" And then I kind of stopped myself for a second, and I was like, "Because I had just left work." This was on the way home from work, or either I was at lunch or something, and I was like, I stopped myself for a second, and I was like, I wish somebody at where I w- at my job would hear me say, "You ever get served there?" They would be like, "What is she talking about?" Because they don't know that side of me, you right, know. They right, don't like right. they have no clue, and it was just funny. Your work. To think, this is your work. You're talking. Yeah, about? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they know I'm in recovery, sure, but sure, they don't. Sure. I mean, they don't know that person how ghetto fabulous I was when I was back in that life. But sure. you know, it was just I had to stop and remember. I thought. I had to say, I don't even, like, I don't even know that Kimberly that used to be ghetto fabulous and chasing drugs and meeting dope boys at the gas stations all the time. And, you know, I just hanging out with, hanging out with a bunch of dope boys, like going to the casino on the weekends with the, like, little old me and the bunch of big dope boys, you know, like, I don't even know that person. That's crazy. No, you, I think you know her. I mean, I know her, <laughs> but, like, I, I think to myself, like, I did that. Like, yeah. I really did that. Like, you know? We did some crazy. Just, we, we did some really, really crazy stuff. Scandalous, even. And that's, like, scandalous. not even, like, really what all went on. Like, there's some really scandalous, yeah, awful course. stuff that happened. But Right, but, again, all of that stuff was necessary in order, in order for you to be where you're at right now. And oh, today, absolutely. You're pleased with that person, yeah. and you're positive. You feel positively about who that person is. So, again, profitability again. Yeah, and the way in. the way to spin that to something positive is: look what I overcame. Right. Look what I came through. Mm-hmm. Look what I was able to persevere through. Right. And get hope and confidence that I can overcome other adversities. Right. I don't have to rely on delauded. I don't have to rely on meth. I don't have to rely on, you know, a even scandalous life. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's the, like that's one of the things about the ice paths that is is super super important for me is it's me putting myself because life, you know, life can be very comfortable sometimes, <clears throat> and it's important for me to remember and, and remind myself that I'm capable of doing really really hard stuff. And getting in a freezing tub full of forty-two yeah. degrees, forty-two degree water, that's hard, and it it resets my brain to, okay, now we can push through this. We can push through adversity. 
there hasn't been one single day. There has been. There's been two days where I got in the cold plunge, and I haven't missed a day in almost eight months where I was like, That's Boy. awesome. Yeah. I was that really like, is awesome. It's way been like, slipping. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, there hadn't been one day that, or there's been two days where I was like, God, I, I really, I'm enjoying being in this freezing cold water right now. Two days. Yeah. Other than that, Every single day, it's oh my god! I don't, don't want to get, get in, in there. Here. I certainly don't want to sit here. I I yeah. don't. I but then I remind myself, no, 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 no. This is important to to keep us grounded, to keep us keep us centered, and and to remind ourselves that you know life is going to be hard. Life is going to get hard, but we can push through it. So I have my little pet talk with myself every single day, and I hop my ass in that cold water and I sit and I force myself to push through the adversity, feel the pain, feel the uncomfortability, and and then approach that fear, that that pain and discomfort. I run to that with gratitude and I and I'm grateful for the opportunity to put myself in a situation like that to where I can, you know, get back focused, get back centered. Uh, and then, you know, the next day when when things are difficult in life or work is difficult or w- whatever, um I, I tap into that. Okay, well, no, no, no. Remember, we push through. We push through. We push through, and I, I become my biggest cheerleader, and um, and I, I push through whatever's com- coming my way. Yeah. Um, and I feel positive about life I've, after that. You know? I feel the same way about going to the gym. Yeah. And then I think to myself, yeah. why did it take me literally forty six years to learn how to invest in next week's Drew yeah. instead of right now Drew? Right, right, right. Right now Drew got way too much of my attention. Next week's Drew, I don't give a damn about him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It is what it is. It's great. I, I need to get back to the gym, man. I've been slacking big time on that. Well, you've been slacking on the gym, but we've been slacking on the ice bath. Yeah. Yeah. Even well, there I'm are ebbs and flows with everything. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll meet in the center again. We'll, <laughs> get, we'll get back in there. Was there anything else that you want to talk about? What you want? What you want? What you want? What you want? You got the microphone. The floor is yours. I don't know. I mean, I definitely don't want to leave without saying some things. But, I mean, that, this just kind of like some shout-outs. Like, I just don't think that that there's any way I could have done it without, like, my family's support and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I've got I've got a, um, a pretty tough uncle. <laughs> I don't know how else you would describe him. How would you describe him? He'll be listening. Tough is good. Tough. <laughs> he's tough, but he's one of the most amazing people that I've ever met, and he's probably one of my biggest cheerleaders. And yep. um, So for everybody who doesn't know, the reason the uncle is important is Kimberly's father died when she was young. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and this is my dad's only How brother. How old were you when? I was 18. Oh. This is when drugs started happening. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and he's been, you know, He's, a father figure. Yeah, he's been a father figure to me, and he is a father figure to me. And he's, you know, to be able to be invited back to his house and, like, to have the relationship I have with him and um, and Larry to be his partner, to be able to, or his husband, to be able to have them in my life and be able to go to, you know, I mean, I was deliberately not invited to family functions for a really long time. and now Tell, tell everybody what Clark gave you for Christmas that time when you'd been bad. Oh my this God. This is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> okay. So, when I was in my bad messing up days, we had Christmas at my grandmother's house. And 
I literally got from my uncle that I'm talking about. He gave me coal, coal in a freaking <laughs> stocking, literally coal in a stocking. And he was not. I mean, like. I, I'm pretty sure I was high at the point at that time, but like I can remember his face, and it was almost like, "Yeah, this is what you get," you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you have been judged lacking. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all that to say, I don't definitely want, don't want to leave today without like giving. I mean, I owe him a whole whole lot. Mm-hmm. He's been a huge support to me. Him and Larry, um, that's his husband, and you know, also my mom and my sister and um, different people that I have in my family. My grandmother, especially. She's the her grandmother's one of the funniest people on earth. I have yeah, to meet her. Look, oh, her, yeah. her, grand, her. Her oh, grandmother yeah. she lives said. In Atlanta. Oh, okay. Her, her grandmother said of Kimberly and her sister, "Y'all are a lot easier to love now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they put up with. She put up with a whole whole lot. She had a restraining order put on put against me one time. Yes, she did. Yeah, she didn't play either. No, she didn't. She did not play. No. Um, but I like I have those relationships back, and I think that's. Another thing that I'm really, really grateful for, and that's another thing that keeps me going, is mm-hmm. having those family relationships back that are really important to me. Because, I mean, family is very important to me. It's everything. Yeah. A and reflection of your gratitude for those things. Yeah. And you, you know, you know it, it sucks that we're better people in the reflection of our ugliness from the past. I've said this before, like I'm a better father because I've been a bad one. I'm a better employee because I've been a bad one. Yeah. I'm a better husband because I've been a bad one. I'm a better son because I've been a bad one. Right. So it's important for you to remember that when you come across someone that's being a complete asshole or really rubbing you the wrong way, they may be in that point where you were at that time. So we run to those people with compassion and grace. Exactly. Because we did everything wrong also for a long time and still make mistakes every single day. We're not... Perfect. We're not, we just don't put dope in our system anymore. So we actually have to live life on life's terms. So it's, you know, it's important to to run to those, you know, difficult situations and people with compassion and grace. It's important. I can only speak for myself. It's important that I do that um, because I, it's not a good place for me to be judgmental because I was a real certified piece of work when I was out there using and still can be today sometimes, you know, I'm not perfect. Out there getting high and judging other people? No, just oh, okay. being an asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just being an asshole and, yeah, and yeah. judging people. It's usually when I'm tired or hungry. Yep. Um, I'll get into that judgmental. And when I'm driving. I mean, I'm just... A, oh, do you have road rage? No, I don't, but I have road judgment. Road judgment. Yes. Yeah. Like, you stupid. Yeah. You are the stupidest person in the world for driving the speed limit. You yeah. know? What an imbecile. I don't act out. I don't honk my horn. I don't do anything. But it, you'd think it. It's just a quiet. I'm judging. She's yeah. going to end up getting shot in Jackson because she goes zero to sixty when somebody when you feel aggrieved in the car. Oh, yeah, I can't see anybody. Like rides an on ugly party, you comes out. Yeah. Well, it's because we're on a heightened. We're we're in a heightened sense, uh, yeah. heightened state of uh, being when we're driving. You know, everything is. So of course we're going to be more. You know quicker to to react because we're our life is on the line literally yeah so you you know you got to be reactive but i've been a lot better at it you know i certainly don't like i said honk or swerve or anything like that but you best believe i'm going to judge you if you're cruising in the left lane oh yeah i do that Mm. 
Scum of the earth. Scum of the earth. Yeah, I hate that. All right, we're 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 on the we're beginning the downhill slope of today's episode. So you're you're not going to escape my two favorite questions. Okay, Okay. I'm going to hop over to the station. We'll give him a moment. Okay. Should I be nervous? No. Okay. What do you do poorly? In your recovery. Mm. Knew this was coming, didn't I? Mm-hmm. You yeah. should have. Yeah. <laughs> I knew. So I am not very good at going to meetings and working with the sponsor. Just not good at it. Like I said earlier, like I think some things I'm really good at and some things I'm just not good at. And I think that, I mean, I know it can be frowned upon, but I, I really do think that, I mean, Thomas keeps me sober. He really does. I know that's probably what a bunch of people would say. Oh, well, what if what if something happened to him, though? You know? Then you would get high. Well, well it also doesn't really matter what other people say. This is true. This is true. But I, I, don't, I don't do a good job um, with that area of my life. But there's other areas that I do really good good with. You know, I think I'm a really good employee. Well, let him ask the question oh. first, Kimberly. Please, no, that, no, keep going. No, go ahead. What do I do poorly? We, we, are, we yeah, we got that. that. Yeah, and I think I've got a lot of um, like I'm trying to change the subject because I don't want to talk about it because I have a lot of guilt and shame wrapped around that as far sure. as I'm not a good meeting. Well, she and I were talking about this before the podcast. Okay, so but the flip side is there are ebbs and flows to everything, and if I feel if something if I experience some acute thing and it makes me reflect on my behavior and I think, okay, I really need to address this in my life. Then, I mean, you know, as long as I don't get high and I'm not acting a true donkey. then that's a win of a day. And that's a win. And I can live to fight another day. I can reinvest in other recovery behaviors. So, you know, I asked the poor one first, but then I asked, what do you do well in your recovery? I mean, I think I do a, I, I do, I'm a good employee. I'm a, I'm a good mom. I try to be a good wife. <laughs> I think you can attest to that. Um, you're supposed to say, yeah, you're a great wife. <laughs> a great Thank you. I can back that up with what he's, <laughs> how he talks, talks about you when you're not here. Okay, good, good. Um, See, I say good things about you when good, you're not around. Good. Um, and this is one of the things I think the podcast is good for is helping people make these connections. So just from listening to you sit there, your prayer life is still intact. Oh yeah. The the things that you contemplate that stem from what we both learned in our respective faith-based treatment centers is still intact. There's still, you know, an allegiance and faith in God. I mean, all of these things I think work to our good. And sometimes they're more pronounced, sometimes they're less pronounced, and sometimes we need to talk about them with other people to make these connections. And I think as I'm sitting here, I'm kind of realizing that one of the good things that is, I think, that an aha moment is that being sober for me now and being a wife, being a mom, being an employee, that's that's my normal. And that yeah. was not normal for such a long time. That was such a, like I said earlier on in the podcast, I would sit in treatment centers and I can remember distinctively laying in beds 
and thinking I would give anything to have a family and a home. And now I have those things and that's become my normal. And I just, I think I, I thrive in that area. I like, I like that sobriety is normal now. Amen. Well said. That's what it's all about. We're trying to normalize recovery. Amen yeah. to that. But I think it absolutely was, it took a lot of um, what it, it took, what it, it takes, what it takes. Right. Well, I it think. takes what it takes. There we go. You know, Alma, it, it is certainly important in recovery to have people around you that are willing to tell you the truth. Like, you're fucking up. You're doing this. This is not, you know, this sort of behavior is not healthy. Right. But as important as that is to be around people who will give you healthy criticism, truly constructive criticism, it's important to think about the things that we're doing that are working well for us. Mm -hmm. And those things that we maybe not should be prideful about, but should be thankful that we have developed those, those practices and that's also something that if if somebody's listening to this right now and can't relate to what you just said, I was also the same way with whoever's listening to this right now. I was unable to identify any positive in anything or anyone when I was in active addiction. And I promise you, if you remove the drugs and alcohol from your life, you will get to a point eventually where you can identify positive things in your life. Absolutely. And you can identify positive things that are happening in adversity. Um, but it takes time. So don't, don't, you know, listen to us talking about, you know, identifying gratitude and all this stuff and just completely shut off. I guarantee you that all three of us in the studio right now, we're at a point in our lives where we could not identify positive in any way, shape or form because of the poor life choices that we had made in our life. Just overshadowed by the right. Exactly. So don't give up. Don't whatever you do, don't give up. You will get to a point where you can identify and be peaceful and, and, and see the good in things instead of just focusing only being able to focus well, on the And what negative. else you get better at is you don't have to have quite the level of consequence before you're willing to make a behavior change. Right, right. And yeah, early that, recovery is tough. Sure. It is Ooh, sure, it's tough. Sure. It's literally one day at a time in the beginning. Oh, it was five minutes at a time yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But those peaks and valleys will get much well, more. She and I both benefited from being pretty far removed from our epicenter of poor choices. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I recognize that, you know, look, if you just move away to somewhere, you know, your troubles are going to follow you. But there's something to be said about going off somewhere. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely, for sure. Treatment works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't get to tell too many of our guests I love you. Glad you're here <laughs> Sugar pie. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Kimberly. Absolutely. This is really, really great. This has been great for me. It's been good for me. Yeah. I think it's been good for everybody that's been involved and will listen to this. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. We're out, everybody. All right. 59 in the books. All right. We'll (laughs) see you guys next week or the week after that. Not sure if we have one next week. No, we're going out out of town next week. All right. We'll see you the week after next. All right, everybody. Bye. Peace.